a new series called Seasons. And in it, we're taking a look at the different seasons or uh, phases that we go through in our faith. And so sometimes what we mean by that is sometimes is that our faith is good and things are easy. We're growing in our faith. But other times, things are difficult. It's uh, hard to tell if God is even there. We're disappointed with him or we're frustrated with God. You know, even when we think about seasons of weather, right? When we think about the seasons of weather, things fluctuate a whole lot. Uh, right now, we are in the middle of winter, and we've just experienced our very first large snow of the winter. But we could be in summer and have rainy days. We could be in, in fall and have it be warm out. Uh, our seasons are general seasons, but they, they fluctuate a whole lot. And just like this, we may be in a season where our faith is going really well. Things are going good for us. We're growing. We're thriving. Things feel good. We feel close to God. And out of nowhere, we have a doubt creep in. Or we have struggles come in out of nowhere. Things can fluctuate and change a whole lot for us in our faith because seasons are constantly changing. But if we learn how to identify the different seasons that we'll go through, how to figure out which season we're in, and how to rely on God in the midst of that, it'll give us the ability to be able to rely on God, to trust on God in the midst of all of those different seasons of our faith instead of being crushed by the difficulty, being crushed by the challenges. So tonight, we are talking about spring and summer. Last week, we talked about winter, and we talked about the whole idea of being uh, spiritually dead, and God makes us spiritually alive. But tonight, we're talking about the seasons we're calling spring and summer. So I want everybody, real quick, I want you to close your eyes for me. Just close your eyes right where you're at, all right? And I want you to imagine winter, right? Even think about what you see outside, what you see in your front yard when you look out and you see all this snow covering everything. And then you're starting to see the transition from winter to spring. The snow is melting. There's uh, plants emerging from the ground. The leaves are starting to bloom on the trees. You see the birds returning from the south and the animals come out of hibernation. There's all of these new animals being born. There's lots of growth and there's lots of life. Eventually, you see the flowers blooming. And so we're left with this strong contrast between the white, depressing bleakness of winter and the beautiful, lively, new excitedness of spring. All right, go ahead and open your eyes. So you guys know what it's like to transition from winter into spring. And every spring is like a new beginning. There's all of this new growth. There's all of this new life. It's new. Everything is new. And so when things are new, it's exciting, right? How many of you have ever been in a relationship before? Had a boyfriend or a girlfriend, right? You know that when you are newly a couple, you know that it is exciting, right? It's exciting. You, you get to uh, have this new relationship, and because it's new, it's exciting. It's the same sort of thing with having, uh, making a new sports team that you've tried out for or getting a, a new uh, phone, getting your first cell phone, right? 
So uh, how many of you are still as excited today about your Christmas presents as you were on Christmas Day? If you are, I'm impressed. Because when you open those gifts, it's exciting, right? You're, you're overwhelmed because maybe you weren't expecting it or you've been wanting it really bad and you finally got it. You know, when I was growing up uh, in sixth grade, I was in band. How many of you are in band? All right. And I played the drums. Do we got any drummers in here? Great. So I played the drums in band, and in sixth grade, uh, after I'd opened up all my gifts, my parents send me down to the basement, and I find out that they had bought me a new drum set. And I was so pumped about this new drum set. See, I went down there, and I wasn't expecting to get a drum set. It was brand new, so it was really exciting. It was still in the boxes and everything. And so I... uh, immediately, like, I wasn't concerned about any of my other gifts. I was focused on the drum set. It was the only thing I was concerned about because I was so excited about this new drum set. I even, I called my friends and I told them about this new drum set, and they were all pumped for me, too. It was a really awesome gift that I was very excited about. But you know what? Uh, For those of you that do play drums, you know that every once in a while you have to change the drum heads, right, because they wear out or they break, and so you have to replace the drum heads. And while I was so excited about getting that drum set, I never even played it enough to ever have to change those drum heads once, right? I was so excited about getting this drum set, but it was just because it was new, because it was shiny. It wasn't because it was something that truly excited me. I even, I sold that drum set last year, and it still had the original heads on it because I had hardly ever played it. And so, You guys know what it's like to get something new and be excited by the newness of it. And it's the same way that newness and excitement is the same thing in our faith. When your faith is new, it's exciting to you. Maybe you are a new Christian and you're just pumped about following Jesus and you're doing everything you can to fill that desire to follow him. Or maybe you've been pushing yourself to read your Bible more regularly, and you feel like you're finally starting to get it. That newness, that growth is exciting. Maybe you joined a growth group, and you feel like you're starting to get something out of it. You're feeling the support and the community of the people that are in it with you. And so you're excited by the newness or growth that you're feeling there. So we know what spiritual spring is like. It's new and it's exciting. It's when we're growing and we're excited by the change. We're excited by the newness of it. So my question when I think about the season of spiritual spring is how are we supposed to respond to that? How are we supposed to respond to the newness and the excitedness of spiritual growth? So I want to read an example for you from the Bible. It's in Psalm 145 of someone experiencing spiritual spring. What they say, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty, and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. 
They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. So a lot going on here and we uh, could spend our entire time unpacking this passage, but the sentiment here is what I want you to pick up on, the tone or the the, the uh, feeling behind what the psalmist is writing here is that they are just excited about how good God is. They're excited about being able to follow him and seeing his goodness and being able to worship him. And that's because praise is the natural and appropriate response to who God is and what he has done. And that's our first point tonight. Praise is the natural and appropriate response to who God is and what he has done. When you realize something new about God, you should thank him for that. You should be praising him for that. You should be honoring him for that. That's all that means. This is a fancy way of saying when you learn more about God, it should make you want to worship him more. That's all that means. You're thanking God and proclaiming to others all the incredible things that he's done in your life and all the things that he's done for others and you're proclaiming the goodness of who he is. So when you're in spiritual spring, or when things are new and growing, it's easy to praise. It's easy to read a psalm like we just read and say, you know, that's, that's how I feel. You know, you feel awestruck with God and his goodness. When I'm in seasons like this, where I'm really excited about my faith, I'm really excited about following God, I find myself saying and praying to God, you know, I don't know why you're so good to me, but I just thank you that you are, right? You guys hopefully have felt this sort of feeling at some point in your life where worship isn't forced. It's not like you're forcing yourself to honor God. It's not like you're forcing yourself to thank God, but it's just coming out of how you feel. It's just something that's naturally flowing out from you. You, you're uh, having a hard time even expressing, finding the words to say to God, but you just have to do something about how you're feeling about him. In those moments, worship is easy. Loving people is easy. Serving others is easy. Reading your Bible is easy. Praying is easy because you're so in love with God that you can't help but respond in this way of praise. That's what spiritual spring is. And it's such an incredible thing. It's so, so good. But the fact of the matter is that seasons change. Seasons always change. In the Old Testament, there is a book of the Bible called Judges. How many of you have ever heard of Judges before? In the book of Judges, uh, we see this cycle of faith happening for people. And it's kind of ridiculous. Go ahead and pull it up on the screen for us. What happens here is they start off at the top of this circle, and they're serving God, right? They're in that moment of spiritual spring. They're new, excited, and they're following the Lord. But as they get comfortable with things being good, 
they find themselves falling into temptation. They're sinning, and they're, they're even worshiping other gods other than our God. And so then they face some sort of oppression. Usually it was that an enemy would come in and take the people and make them their slaves. And so when they faced this hardship, they would cry out to God. They would pray and say, God, please help me. Will you do something about this hardship? Take it away from me, please. And so God would raise up this person called a judge. And that's why the book is called Judges. He would raise up a person who, whose job wasn't to be somebody sitting in a court making decisions. But instead, a judge was someone who would help lead the people back to God. And when they did this... Israel would be delivered from their oppression, but they would also come back to the top of the cycle. They'd be back at the top of the circle where they'd be in this spiritual spring again. But the unfortunate part of the book of Judges is that it goes right back over again. They go from the spiritual spring into falling into the traps of their sins and temptation. And so they over and over and over again be going through this ridiculous cycle where they can't stay consistent in their faith. They can't just embrace the good season and, and honoring and praising God, but continually find themselves falling into sin and having to reach out to God for help again because they had made a mistake. But I want you to think about who these people are. If you are familiar at all with the, the, the story of the Old Testament, you know that the Israelites are these people who were enslaved in the, the country of Egypt for hundreds of years. And then God performed all these incredible miracles to lead them to their freedom. And after they got out of their slavery in Egypt, they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. And they weren't just wandering aimlessly, but they were following God. Not just figuratively, but literally they were following God who would be manifesting himself as a pillar of cloud from the ground to the sky during the day. And at nighttime, that pillar of cloud would turn into a pillar of fire. And so they are literally following God around the desert. After they finally got to their destination and made their home, they had to fight the people who were trying to kick them out, and they would fight against these incredibly powerful military forces. And they're just this ragtag group of people, but they would find themselves in victory after victory after victory. And all of these things, they knew full well that God was doing these things, and he was pr providing for them and blessing them. Yet continually after that happens, they find themselves falling away from God when all of these incredible things he had done for them and demonstrated how real and how much he cares for them, how good he is. But they keep finding themselves falling away from God. And when we think about that, it's so easy to look at the Israelites in the Bible and point our fingers and say, you know, how dumb they must have been. You know, God was so clearly working in your life. How could you turn your back on him? He was so clearly caring for you. How could you worship another God? How could you possibly do this when he was so clearly in your corner, so clearly taking care of you? But the reality is that you and I do the exact same thing. God has done some incredible things in your life. God has done some incredible things for you. He sent his son and, to die for you so that you could live. 
Last week we talked about how he performed a miracle in your life to bring your dead soul to life so that you could follow him and see his goodness. In my own life, I can look back at the time that has passed between when I started following Jesus and today and see how much he has changed me. And you probably can do that yourself too, seeing how God has changed you. That is a miracle. He is so clearly working in our lives when we follow him. So how do we keep turning our back on him? And it's because the seasons are going to change because we are proud people living in a broken world. We're no different than the Israelites. We too find ourselves constantly going through shifting seasons of faith because we can't seem to let go of our own pride. We think that we know what is good for us better than God does. We think that we can decide and know how to live best without following God. We're proud and we are stubborn and we live in a broken world. And so the seasons are always going to change. Just simply meaning that things are not always going to be easy. They're not always going to be new. They're not always going to be exciting in your faith. Spiritual spring doesn't last forever. So when we think about the transition into summer, we think about summer as far as the new growth and the life of spring has lost its excitement. It's still there, but it's, it's not as exciting anymore. You know, when we think about summer as weather, the weather brings droughts and wildfires. The, the, the warmth of the summer sun uh, has changed from the blessing of keeping us warm to just being hot. We, uh, we're not thinking of summer in the sense of there's no school and we go on vacations and we hang out with our friends, but we're more thinking of summer school and uh, grounded with extra chores and can't go on vacation because we're in a pandemic sort of summer, right? You guys know what the difficulty, the hardship of summer, and s- summer in our seasons is representing spiritual hardship. Spring doesn't last forever. The seasons are going to change, and it can happen in a million different ways. You know, maybe the excitement of your faith has has faded because of a tragedy in your life, where you once found yourself praising God easily and naturally for how good things are. Now you're frustrated or confused or disappointed with him. Maybe you started following God, but nothing seems to be changing. You know, God, I thought that things would get better if I did things your way. Or maybe you've been really diligent about trying to grow in your faith. You've been reading your Bible daily. You've been praying to him all the time. You've been coming to youth group and church and involved in a growth group and doing everything that you think that you're supposed to, but you're not progressing in your faith as fast as you were hoping to. And you find yourself frustrated with this faith plateau that you're on. You know, even if you've never faced hardship in your life, one thing that I can guarantee to you is that someday you will. And so we're talking about summer and spiritual hardships because we want you to be prepared for when they come. Hardship is absolutely inevitable. It's unavoidable. Everyone gets hit by hardship at some point. In the book of Isaiah chapter 40, it says this, 
The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Just simply put, all it's saying here is that the only lasting thing in this world is God. The only thing that will be good forever is God. Everything else will fade. Everything else will grow old. Hardship is going to happen. It's inevitable. Hardship is also difficult. Hardship is difficult. I want you to think about what has been the biggest challenge for you in your faith. What has been the biggest challenge for you in your faith? For me, I think about the hardship of having close friends decide to stop following Jesus. I grew up uh, going to church, and I've told you guys this before, and I decided to become a Christian when I was late in high school, about a junior in high school. And around the same time that I started following Jesus, I had some friends that I grew up with who also started following Jesus at the same time. And so as we are figuring out what it means to follow Jesus, we have this community of people trying to learn how to follow him together. And it was such a great support thing. I remember, you know, I didn't pick up following Jesus easily. I was, I was stubborn, and I made boneheaded decisions, and I would do stupid things. And my friends would be there for me to help me to figure out what it means to follow him. And so once I kind of got into, settled into my faith and figured out what it looks like to follow Jesus, I started having some of those same friends that I was close with deciding to, that they didn't think they were Christians anymore. And they just decided to stop following Jesus. And I remember thinking, that is so difficult. You know, what, what do you do when the community you were growing in your faith with just decides that they're not Christians anymore? What do you do with that? It made me feel like my faith was fake. These people who I grew with, who influenced me in my faith, weren't following Jesus anymore. So am I, am I really a Christian? It was an incredibly difficult challenge for me where I had to process and think through uh, how does my, what does my faith look like without these people around me. Faith is always going to have hardships, and those hardships are going to be difficult. But the good news about facing hardships, the good news about spiritual summer is that hardships promote growth. Hardships promote growth. You know, uh, how many of you are into uh, gardening? Anybody into gardening or taking care of plants? Yeah, a few of you. That's okay. I am really into taking care of house plants. I like succulents a lot. Does anybody know what a succulent is? Yeah. All right, so uh, I really like succulents, and I have all these house plants in my, in my house. And uh, something that I've learned over time about succulents and taking care of plants is that there's a few basic things that plants need. What are they? Water and sunlight, right? They need water and sunlight. But when you get a little bit deeper past the water and sunlight, you learn that you actually have to trim plants. You have to break off leaves or branches that look unhealthy or are dying. You have to t uh, take them off and uh, what it does is it creates the place for a new branch or a new leaf to grow. When you prune off these unhealthy branches, it gives the opportunity for growth. 
And uh, and it's just the same for us when we face trials, when we face hardships. It's like pruning things out of our life. It's an opportunity for us to grow and become more like Jesus. In James chapter 1, it says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So the whole idea here is that if you can learn to follow God in the midst of the hardships that you're going to face, that gives you the opportunity to grow in your faith. It's not just something to be frustrated and complain about, but now it's an opportunity for you to be joyful about trials because you can grow and become more like Jesus. You can grow and become closer to God through those hardships that you're going to face. Hardships promote growth. So these two seasons that we've talked about tonight, spring where you have the newness and excitement of uh, growth in your faith, and then summer, the hardships that you face in your faith, they're, they're, they go hand in hand. They're related to each other. Because we're sinful, the good times in our faith are going to end eventually. But when we get into those hard times, it's an opportunity for us to grow in our faith. So the real question for you tonight as we finish up our talk is, how are you going to approach spring and summer? How are you going to approach spiritual growth and spiritual hardships? Will you learn to push yourself in your faith when things are good and it's easy to follow God, or are you just going to coast through on autopilot? Or when you face difficulty, will you blame God and complain about it and get frustrated, or will you take it as an opportunity to be able to grow in your faith? I fully recognize that this is easier said than done. I know that this is difficult to do in real practice. But if you do your best to pursue God, to follow God in the midst of whatever season you're in, your faith will thrive instead of getting crushed by the inevitable hardships that you face. So let me pray for you guys and ask God for help to do these things. Lord Jesus, I thank you for time this uh, evening to be able to take a look at the different seasons we're going to face. Especially we think tonight about growing in our faith and the hardships that we're going to face. And so, Lord, I pray for each of these students that you would motivate them to draw close to you, to lean on you when they're going through hardships. And in the moments when it's easy to follow you, when it's easy to praise you, Lord, I pray that they would keep pushing towards you and not just coast through it. Lord, these are difficult things to do, and we can only do them through your Holy Spirit. And so we ask that you would be working in our hearts, helping us to grow closer to you, helping us to follow you in all seasons of life, all seasons of faith. We ask for your help in this in the name of Jesus. Amen.